Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, uh, Bobby Maximus and Joe Sabula. No sponsorships today, nothing like that. We are going to get right down to business. This is going to hit you hard and fast. I think it's a message that's important to people. I just competed in the World Masters Championship uh, of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And it was funny because during the lead up to competition, Joe, Mm -hmm. I was extremely nervous. Yeah, you were. And I decided for the first time to kind of share this with all the people on Instagram, social media, stuff like that. And I actually got a lot of DMs saying it helped people. And, you know, people saying that they're surprised I got nervous, but they could relate to it. And it, it got me thinking the reality is for almost everybody on the planet, and this includes the best people in the world, they all have one thing in common. They get nervous before big games, big competitions, big days. They're not any different than you in terms of how they feel. They just happen to deal with it a little better. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's very true. I can't tell you the number of, of high performers, you know, high level athletes, uh, executives, et cetera, that I've talked to that all have said the same thing. You know, I remember when uh, when we had uh, Coach Blauer on the show and he was talking about when he was young, he was uh, a, a very good skier and he thought there was something wrong with him because he would sit there at the top of the slope and feel fear. And he thought, yep. well, none of these other people are afraid. And it's like, no, no, they're all afraid. He just didn't have the tools to deal with it. And if somebody would have would have recognized that and coached him, it could have been a complete different career for him. But he never had that tool set. And now he's like this, you know, world renowned expert in fear and fear management. So it's kind of interesting looking back. But I, I even think back to, to my competition days and like, you better believe I was nervous heading into the ring. You know, like that that gets you going. And, and I don't think you ever really get used to it. No, I just think you get better at dealing with it mm -hmm. and coming up with strategies. I mean, that's the key to help you overcome it. Unfortunately, we live in a, I'll call it a male bravado society where you've just got to play it cool, fake yeah. it till you make it, suck it up versus actually embracing that fear, embracing that nervousness, and then deciding to do something about it. Because just shoving it way down there and pretending that it's not happening, that has, I will tell you, that has never worked for me. <laughs> Yeah, I was I, I, this situation with worlds is interesting because, I mean, you're, you're obviously much further along in your career, uh, in your life, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm curious how your nerves leading into this uh, tournament in, in Florida compared to your UFC days. It was just as bad. Yeah. Part of the reason is, is because of the expectation I have on myself. Mm hmm. That's part of it. Uh, I, I expect myself to perform at a high level. I love what I do. I work hard at what I do. Like when you, when you think about me, the guy that works out two to three times a day, every day for 27 years, I'm clearly doing that because I care and because I love it. Mm -hmm. So the pressure of whether it's a workout on a Monday morning, whether it's, uh, an Instagram post, whether it's uh, a competition, there's always a pressure there for me to represent myself to the best of my ability. Yeah. But yeah. then what makes it worse? And here's where comp 
competition it's been difficult for me my whole life is there's 10 words that ruin me what will other people say and what will other people think and that yeah. combined with the pressure i put on myself is the absolute worst thing for me it's crippled me at times well that it makes sense to me because you start thinking about failure you start thinking about all those what ifs. You're not you're not in your mind going like, man, everybody's going to be so proud of me for the great work that I do. It's like if I fail, what's going to happen? And now you're focused on what happens when you fail. You're not thinking about what it's going to take to well, win either. And I get it from all angles. I think I'm going to let you down. I'm going to let my mm -hmm. wife down. I'm going to let my kids down. I'm going to let my instructors down. I'm going to let my training partners down. I'm going to lose all <laughs> kinds of followers. People on the internet are going to be disrespecting me left, right, and center. Like my head starts to just spin with this stuff. And so what you see is a big, strong, confident person, but that's not the reality when I'm in my hotel, my apartment, my whatever, by myself before that competition. I'm thinking about all these things when I should be thinking about how I'm going to impose my will, institute my game plan, uh, relax. I'm starting to think about all these periphery things that shouldn't matter. And then you get the pressure of, if I win, I'm going to get a sponsorship. Yeah. If I win, I'm going to get this. If I win, I'm going to get that. And then a, a, a weird thing happens. I start fighting not to lose instead of fighting to win. And that's when stuff really goes wrong. And I start thinking, man, all I got to do is not get submitted. All I got to do is not <laughs> yeah. give up points versus no, no, no. I just have to go win. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I feel like for, for my psychology, if I had a big fight coming up, like in, in, you know, it's the day before. And like you said, I'm in my hotel room and the thoughts are going to come. You know, our, our, we, we've said this on the show before. Our default is always the negative. And so that thought is going to pop up and whether or not you're equipped to deal with it is, is huge. If I had something that I could do the day before a big fight, I would be focused on doing that. So if it was like, you know, watching film of my opponent. You know, watching film of him training, him, him fighting, maybe watch his last six fights and really break it down. What are his favorite moves? How, you know, are there any tells? Is there something to go into? But in something like like uh, my old sport, Taekwondo, it's not like you've got a bunch of game film to watch. Like you almost don't know what you're getting into until you get there. You might not even know who you're fighting in the first round. You might yep. never have seen the guy before. Yep. You know, but like if you could do that preparation like that, you would just obsess over that and focus on that. And maybe that would would get you into that positive, you know, here's what I'm going to do to that guy instead yeah. of sitting back and worrying. But in absence of that kind of information to work with, like you're literally just killing time before you don't know what. And and all you want to do on the inside is like, like you said, you start thinking about like, what's the bare minimum I got to do to be successful here? Yep. And it messes you up. Now, so is it was it jujitsu is a little bit different than UFC, right? I, yep. I feel like jujitsu is a fairly safe sport. You know, major injuries are not common in jujitsu. UFC, a lot of bad stuff can happen. Is that a different kind of nervousness? You know, honestly, not really, because I think I'm so desensitized to fighting and getting mm -hmm. punched that I don't think of it that way. I tried to explain this to somebody the other day. You and I could punch each other in the face. And it, the, the, the thought of doing that, it actually sounds kind of fun to me. Like if we <laughs> fought and sparred, it's just now, now just so people don't think I'm out of line by saying that 
I'll give you an example. I remember being at a bar in Toronto. It's called the Brand House. It was a high-end nightclub. And there was a dude there, and I won't go into the whole story, but uh, we started getting into it a little bit. He started mouthing off, and I said something back. But it was a moment of clarity that I had when I realized his eyes were darting left and right. His, his skin turned a different shade of red. It looked like his blood pressure was raising mm. in front of me. Started fumbling with his watch, stuff like that. Me, I could not have been more calm. Mm. Just relaxed, like slouched over on the side of the bar, just looking at it like, oh, I'm going to get to do another fight practice right now. This is what I do two times a day, every day of my life. It was just like another day at the office. Whereas this guy who's presumably been in maybe one or two tussles. Yeah. This is like a huge thing. If that makes sense, Joe. Yeah. So for me, the, the, the actual implementation of the sport it's because I've been punched a lot. And because I train like that, when I went into a UFC fight, I didn't look at it as like going into a fight. I looked at it as probably the same way you'd look going into a soccer game, a a, a dance recital, a a, a basketball game. Like it wasn't special is what I'm trying to say because I'm getting punched in the face. Now, I know from from my years as a taekwondo fighter, like I remember sitting ringside and watching a guy that I knew fairly well get his eye socket shattered, yep. you know, out cold, face down in a puddle of his own blood. His career was was effectively ended and I had to go like fight after that. And it, it I wasn't nervous about it. You just sort of accept that that's a possibility. You know, something could happen. I, I always used to joke when the uh, United States Taekwondo Union was running all the uh, the tournaments in the U.S., the, the like the official national level tournaments you had to sign this dental waiver where it was like, you know, if you lose your first tooth, you'll get $1,200 and then you get $750 for each additional tooth that you lose after that. And that was just signing up to participate. And so there was all these moments of like, you know, you're presented with the reality of the risks that you're taking. And then here we are years later and people are asking me if I get nervous before a CrossFit workout. And it was like, well, no, I mean, the odds of me losing a tooth in a CrossFit workout are nothing. It's funny, though, that you say that because I'd never signed one of those waivers and thought twice about what I was about to do. I was already at the point where I'd accepted it. So, mm-hmm. again, it's like I don't know if I would look any different, like get my eye punched or something like that, than uh, Aaron Rodgers would look at, you know, giving up an interception. Like it's yeah. just it's become a part of everyday life. But I will tell you. One of the differences, and this is actually really interesting. I fought in front of uh, 30,000 people. Mm-hmm. It is in ways easier to fight in a jujitsu tournament because there ain't 30,000 people in the stands. Sure. At the same time, it's harder because those 30,000 people, they don't have access to you. When you're at the jujitsu tournament, yeah. I have people come up to me two minutes before my match and say, you're such a beast. I watch you on Instagram. You're going to crush everybody. Hey man, hey man no like, pressure. But if you lose, I'm going to off myself. <laughs> like I, I know you're trying to be nice and help me, but this is not a helpful thing right now. You're now like feeding into that narrative I have of what will other people say and what yeah. will other people think. So it starts to become 
problematic in that regard where being in, in a, in a more tight space and interacting with people, it's harder because when I was fighting in the UFC, I was backstage mm-hmm. and I was with other fighters and people know how to act when I'm on the jujitsu floor and some dude wants the selfie right before I compete or, Hey, you're my hero. I followed your workouts. It's helping. And it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And by the way, I pride myself on being a nice person. Mm-hmm. So I also don't want to mean mug the person and tell them to fuck off because I got to focus <laughs> on my competition. That's just not who I am. And so like, I'm doing everything I, I, I shouldn't be doing. You know, I should be focusing on myself. So in, in a UFC situation, are you in that back room with the guy that you're going to be fighting or are you in separate locker rooms? Like do they separate locker rooms, Okay, but you're with like half the cards in one, half the cards in the other. And I was a never big enough star to have my own locker room, but some guys do. Right. Right. Um, and I know that one of the big things in UFC is the, the photo shoot, you know, when they do like the weigh-ins and stuff and they get each other up in each other's face, does that change the dynamic when, when you don't necessarily know the guy you're getting in the ring with, but you know enough about him. And the only moments that you've had in the same room are almost like, I, I don't want to say the word staged, but they're set up to create that sense of conflict. Does that change versus like a jujitsu tournament where you might actually meet the guys that are in your division and have a, a moment to chat with them before you actually compete? You know, now that you say that, it's funny. I didn't really think about it before. Mm-hmm. I would much prefer to make friends with my opponent before and just talk and make it a normal experience versus some built up thing. The more it gets built up, the worse it is for me. Right. Like I would like it for me and you to not have a fight three months from now on YouTube or pay-per-view with the weigh in with a whole thing. I'd rather you just come to my club one morning We'll roll, we'll find out who's better, and then we'll go eat lunch together. That just is much better for me mentally. I'm sure other people, because I can only speak from my experience, uh, work a different way. No, I'm with you on that because in in Taekwondo, I mean, like you're you're at the ring waiting for your fight with everybody else you're fighting against and and you actually get to know each other. You know, you get to you get to chat like, oh, hey, where are you from? You know, and some guys are like, don't talk to me. Like, I'm here to win. And it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. I never heard of you before. Uh, and, and some guys are like, oh, it's my first tournament. And then you're like, well, okay, that, that changes your level of nervousness when it's your thousandth and it's their first, yeah. you know. But it, but again, that got to be why I enjoyed the sport was because I knew a lot of the guys that were going to the tournaments. You know, we always ended up in the same division. And and when you get there, it was like if, if you and I were from the same club, like I kind of know your moves. I kind of know who's going to win that fight going into it. And you're not as nervous anymore. And you can actually just kind of enjoy the um, – you know, the community. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I like that part of it versus the big buildup of I've got yeah. to win or lose or, you know, things like that. I've always been my best in practice, by the way, mm-hmm. just okay. when it's just showing up to do my job. That's when, if I could, if I could have been that person, I believe I would have been one of the best in the world. Uh, I just couldn't figure out a way. I figured out a lot more now. It's funny at 42, I'm a lot more in tune with this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. than I was when I was 27. And I wish I could go back in time with the lessons that I've learned at the same time. If I didn't go through all those losses, I don't know if I would have arrived yeah. at the place I am now and figured anything out. So it's kind of a, do, a, do you think that's true of a lot of guys at the top of the game? Like they still haven't figured it out. You know, they're almost, I mean, like you said, kind of faking their way through it. I mean, yeah, there are some guys that do that because there are some, there's some people that are just, super athletic that just perform well tonight. But 
I always said I was too, uh, my emotional IQ was too high for the sport I was in. Mm. So let me, let me explain that to you. And, and I'll, I'll use my dog analogy. This is something I came up with years ago. All right. People that are good at fighting generally are pit bulls. They're like Mike Tyson. He has no off switch. Yeah. There was a thing about him where like some motorists confronted him and he beat the shit out of them. It's like, he, he does not go to that place of, I might get charged. These guys are untrained. They're emotionally unsettled. They don't know what they're saying. He's like, I'm going to knock your bitch ass out. And he just goes full tilt at you. That's what that guy is. Right. There's an even story about him smoking marijuana before his fight with Roy Jones Jr. to like calm himself down (laughs) because he is like hyped up 24, seven, 365. So he's a pit bull, right? Yeah. Way on the other end, you have like a pug. This person's not fighting anytime, anywhere. They're avoiding conflict. Well, people like me that were in the middle, I'm like the German shepherd. I can be a lap dog mm-hmm. or a golden retriever. I can, I can, you know, uh, be like Lassie. You know, if we're talking German shepherds. I don't know how many people know about Lassie's this nice little dog. It was a TV show that helps people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you can be, you can Lassie, be a Lassie, Lassie was a collie. Right. Or whatever it is. But like, you could be like that kind of nice dog or you can be like biting people's faces off. St. Bernard's are the same way. You get Mm -hmm. like Beethoven or you get Cujo. Like it's kind of like when I see a St. Bernard, it's funny. Like I either think it's going to be a big friendly dog that's going to drool all over me and play the piano, or it is going to go Stephen King on me and tear my life apart piece by piece. I'm really not sure what I'm going to get. Probably somewhere in the middle, right? (laughs) Yeah. My, my problem is I was too much that and not enough pit bull. Like I'm at ringside thinking about, man, if I get hurt, I'm going to be on workman's comp. And like, I'm thinking about stuff versus I'm just going to murderize this person. Yeah. That's yeah. a different, it's a different thing. Well, you start it, that's a, it's an interesting here. thought experiment. Like if you could read somebody's mind, you know, if you could like record their thoughts as two fighters are walking to the ring and one guy is, is saying that, Oh man, I better not, better not get hurt. You know, I've kind of got a bad knee. Uh, gosh, if I get knocked out, everybody's going to make fun of me. And then you've got the other guy who's just like, I'm going to murder this guy. I'm going to murder this guy. I'm going to murder this guy. Like who would you put your money on walking cool. into that ring? I'll actually, I'll actually tell you a story because I'm looking at his jersey right now. One of my best friends stood in my wedding, his name is Stu Bradley. First couple of years in the league, he was like a wrecking ball. He had all pro, he had 160 tackles as a linebacker, a bunch of sacks, and fearless. Mm-hmm. And something happened to him. Tore his ACL on fan night. Just a really unlucky thing. Got his leg caught in the, in the turf and tore his ACL. And I've had the opportunity to meet, meet a bunch of guys on the Eagles, Brett Selleck, uh, uh, Kevin Curtis, Chad Hall, uh, some of them traded at the gym. And they all said that after Stu tore his ACL, he was never the same person. Mm-hmm. That, And this was Kevin Curtis's words. They said that guy was a wrecking ball. Like he would just run into anybody head first, no fear, like a missile. And that mm-hmm. something happened after he tore his ACL that he just wasn't, wasn't the same. My old wrestling coaches like this too, probably would have been an Olympic gold medalist. His name's Ian Sinclair, just the right mix of athletic, reckless, crazy, blew his knee. 
and just was never like there was like a hesitation there. So mentally, yeah. my thing was I would hesitate over all these other like I'm at the jiu-jitsu tournament thinking, oh, no, what if I get caught in an ankle lock and I bust my ankle and I can't film for this project you and I are working on? We can't yeah. talk about it. It's top secret stuff, but uh, you'll know about it soon. But if I blow my ankle, what's going to happen? Why am I thinking about that before a competition? That's not healthy. I just had a hard time shutting that down. Yeah. Well, and you and I have talked before, like in your UFC days, I mean, your your life was geared towards being a fighter. Like you lived above the gym. You know, you didn't have anything to worry about. Like if you got hurt, it was all you were kind of like all in. It was sort of ideal versus a guy who, you know, there's a lot riding on him. You know, a guy who's got a family to take care of, that's got bills to pay, that if he gets hurt, he can't work. He's not going to make ends meet like that changes the dynamic that you're dealing with. And, yep. and I like what you're talking about with Stu, because these things do change. Yep. You know, the, the, the guys that are invincible at one point, like they're not invincible the next. And so this ability to deal with the the fear, you know, to manage all of that nervousness, it, it's not something that you can just master once and be done with. Yep. And you've told this story before, too, where you, you know, you started going to see your sports psychologist friend and kind of thought you were cured. Yeah, and but I ended up, it, you work. <laughs> it's, just, it's not something that you just fix one time. And I'm still dealing with that. But it's it's actually funny. I pulled up a quote for you. Hmm. You talking about like being distracted by other things. So Mickey, who is Rocky's coach and surrogate dad in the, in the Rocky series, he said that the worst thing that happened to you that can happen to any fighter, you got civilized. Mm. And there's a truth to that. It's like yeah. when you got a wife and you got kids and all that stuff, you're not the same person. You're just different. And, and that movie to like set that up is it's like, it's got a great training montage that I watch a lot. Rocky is doing his American express commercials. He's on the Muppets He's going on a romantic motorcycle ride with his wife. He's like holding his kid. And then you have Clubber Lang punching a brick wall at like the bottom of a well. Yep. You're like, oh God, who's gonna like I, I showed that to my eleven year old son because I told him he was getting soft and I go, watch this. He's never seen Rocky Three. I go, just watch this clip. He watches it. I go, who's gonna win this fight? He goes, Dad, the black guy for sure. He's gonna murder Rocky. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. He goes, dad, what happens in that fight? I go, well, Rocky gets beat up so bad. His manager has a heart attack and dies. <laughs> oh, all right. So beans, are you going to go make American express commercials and like hang out in your fancy Mercedes? Or are you going to like be at the bottom of a well punching walls and grunting and like knocking people out? Like it's true. Right. So you yeah. get civilized. And it starts to take you apart. But the real thing with all this stuff, I think, is actually recognizing you have a mindset problem and putting strategies in place to try and deal with them yeah. versus like just not being cognizant of any of this stuff. Well, and I think it, it's not uh, like cookie cutter either. Like what works for you might not work for me. And so you yep. have to be willing to try a bunch of different things and, and really go all in on them and see, does this actually help? You know, yep. does it change the way I think about things? Uh, I know when I was fighting, when I got nervous, like for the longest time, I just sort of relied on distraction. You know, yep. put the headphones on, listen to some soothing music and just don't face it at all. And yep. just wait, wait for them to call your name. And then now you're in it. And and I will say, too, once you're in it, you're not nervous anymore. 
and, and recognizing that fact of just like, nah, it's just nerves leading up to that moment. And then as soon as they're like, go, like now I'm just in it. Now I'm doing the thing. And, and I always knew that I enjoyed that moment. I enjoyed being in the fight a lot. I really yeah. liked it. You know, I liked I liked my opponent. I liked when my opponent was good. I liked when they were better than me and I had yep. to really work at it. Why was I getting nervous if I knew I liked that moment so bad? And I've never really figured that out. Funny enough that you say that someone asked me who I'd like to fight in the UFC, like bring on the champ. They're like, why? I'm like, cause that's where I do my best work. No pressure. If I get knocked out in 10 seconds, people are proud of me because it shuts down all those negative voices of what will other people say? What will other people yeah. think? Yeah. There's no shame. I will hop in the ring right now with Anthony Joshua, the boxing champion of the world. If I happen to win, I'm a hero. If I lose, I was supposed to lose. Like I'm brave for getting there. That's where I do my best work. It's when I'm supposed to win that I fall apart. But um, I want to talk about the three strategies I use to be good in this fight. Cause I think they're important for people. Yeah. So the, cause I think that's the most important thing. So you've got to recognize you have a problem, what your problems are. Yeah. So one of my problems is I make it into a special thing. I care and I care too much. So I have to find a way to normalize the entire experience. Mm, yeah. So what I do is plan that my routine at home is the same as my routine at the competition. Now to tell you how far I took this, I brought all my supplements. I brought the same clothes I would always wear. I made sure to work out like I just I brought my laptop. I did work. I wasn't mm -hmm. going to just do this tournament. It's like if we had to record a podcast, we recorded a podcast. It went to the point right before the fight. I did a men's health live mm -hmm. because that's what I did every Thursday. And I realized if I would have skipped that, it would have instantly put me down a road of. Yeah. This is special. I'm acting different. I'm acting. So I did my men's health live, did the workout with the, with the audience just so it wouldn't be a special thing. I wanted to make it as normal of a day as possible. And I think that is really important for people. The minute you turn stuff into something special or that I have to win this, or this is a big deal, they falter. So you want to normalize the experience. Yeah, that's good. So that, that's kind of the first thing I did. The second thing I did, I actually took an hour for dedicated self-work the mm -hmm. night before the fight and the morning of the fight. I have these, uh, Brian K, my sports psychologist made me these, these CDs back in the day. Like, <laughs> I was, I was, I was going to ask you like, what, what does self-care mean? Now I know it's, you're watching your highlight videos. <laughs> no, but this wasn't even my highlight video. This is an audio track, like a book on tape where he talks me through all the stuff I need to pay attention to. So like one story he tells on the tape is who's the biggest underdog of all time. David, David was supposed to get smashed by Goliath. And he tells a story about the night before David's friends came in his tent. Like, are you nervous? David's like, Nope. Yeah, but he's going to kill you. He's going to murder you. He's going to. And David's response was, well, he is so big. How can I possibly miss talking about his like slingshot and his rock? And it was just like a great attitude. Uh, 
He talks about people having their emergency break on. He talks about it's okay to have butterflies. You just got to teach them to fly in formation, uh, hope, hold on possibilities exist. Like he goes through all of the things like to help put me in a positive uh, frame of mind or to help Mm -hmm. me frame things in a positive way. So uh, this is like an hour. uh, I don't even know how long it is. I think it's an hour to two hours of just like having a one-on-one therapy session that's been dedicated to me. Nice. That's so, awesome. So that dedicated work. Now, if you don't have that, you could write things out. Mm-hmm. You could do some positivity training. And by that, I mean, write down five reasons you're going to win, write down five reasons you're going to be in a positive mindset. We talked about a green light therapy, like just do something, some dedicated practice. Cause you can't just trust that when the nerves come, you're going to deal with them like an adult. Yeah. You needed to have practiced that. I'm sure there's there's got to be some like generic recordings, podcasts, you know, anything yeah. else that you could do to just kind of fill that time with that positivity. That's super well, helpful. And the, well, the other interesting thing is, is, is Brian, my sports psychologist, he's a great storyteller. Mm. Frankly, like whether I'm training my, you know, my 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 mental side or not, it's like it's really, really interesting and fun. He talked about uh, Tommy Lasorda. And Tommy Lasorda before big games would have a comedian come in the dressing room and (laughs) rip everybody apart and people would forget and they would laugh. And like, so just hearing these anecdotic tales of all these people just puts me in a positive mindset for success. And the more times I, I mean, this is something I should listen to every day, but it's just a really good experience. Oh, that's sweet. That's super cool so, to have too. If you could do that, it could be a book. It could be reading. It could be yeah. like an inspirational TV show, like whatever you need to do. It could be it, listening to the Maximus podcast. Yeah, it could be that. Like if you enjoy it, let's just let's do some mindset training right now. Yeah. And then the third strategy for me is I showed up to the venue as late as humanly possible <laughs> to the point I almost missed my competition. <laughs> so my, my my experience with fighting, that was always, there was always that one guy that just came walking in at the last minute. And if you pressed him, it's like, because he was nervous. He's like, I didn't even want to be here. <laughs> yeah, because the more I sit there and the more yeah. people talk to me and the more, what I'm trying to do there is mitigate people kind of put me in an off mood, not an off mood. That's wrong because I love talking to people in people. the wrong mood. Like yeah. I, I, I have to run game. in, mm-hmm. barely make the sign up. And then I'm worried. See, then at that point I start thinking more about, I only have five minutes to change. I got to get warmed up. And then the next thing you know, I'm in the first match Yeah. versus hanging out all day. Yeah. Watching people. So one thing I don't do at tournaments and I'm a shitty teammate for this. I don't hang out with my teammates. I don't go out for dinner with the crew. I go out for dinner by myself because I, it's really hard for me to sit and listen to you're going to win. You're going to yeah. represent the school. You're going to get your, your, your thing after this. It's like, guys, I know you're trying to help and pump my tires, but this is the, for me, that's the exact opposite of what I need. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just know be by myself, do my thing, do my routine. I brought my Nintendo Switch because I play Switch every day. So it's like, mm-hmm. nope, I'm going to bring my video game and I'm just going to chill and I'm going to roll in there last minute, do my thing, not talk to anybody. You go home. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so, so those are the three things I did. And, and, and what I, I think they really, really help. But 
you could come up with really three anythings. I've just learned. Like I said, yeah, these, these aren't like cookie cutter. That's that's what worked for you. And clearly it did work for you because if, if I understand correctly, you didn't even get a point scored on you at this tournament. No, I didn't get a point scored on me. I fought really well. I was, I was proud of myself. I won. And and I felt it was like one of the, uh, I'm going to say one of the only times, because I can only remember two other times in my life where I was able to really put stuff together and really, live up to my potential. Right. Right. You know what I mean? And that's important because I've most of the fights you've been at one of them where I fought terribly. I just (laughs) like, I either look like I can be the best in the world or I look terrible. There's no real in between for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, well, but, and, uh, and I mean, that was a long time ago. So like, it's really interesting to me to see how much you've learned since then and how big of an impact that actually has. Yeah, it's, 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 but getting knocked the fuck out, that teaches you a lesson. Like, I yeah. feel like all my failures have taught me what I know now. But again, I don't know if I could go back and do anything about it because if I did, then I don't know if I would have learned the answers. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? So I'm yeah. the best version of me at 42 that I've been. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad I failed a lot in my career because I wouldn't have this insight. Yeah. Versus if I just won everything and it came easy to me, I don't know if I could, it's kind of like the thing where it's, it's funny. Wayne Gretzky did not have a good NHL coaching career. Hmm. And it's because if you look at guys today, they're scoring like 55 goals a year and that's enormous. Wayne was scoring like 90, 70 a year. Like I imagine his coaching would be joke. Can't you just score? Yeah. Like just score. Why is this hard? (laughs) What do you mean? Like, how do I, I don't know if he'd be able to, and maybe this is unfair because I don't know Wayne, but I don't know if he would be able to tell you like Michael Jordan, who is not a good owner in the NBA. I don't know if he'd just be able to tell you how to fix stuff. He's like, well, don't just go dominate. Yeah. I never struggled with that. That's great. But like, how do I do that? Right. So I think there's part of that where that really, really, uh, sometimes the best teachers are people that had to really struggle and they didn't attain something. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really the art of coaching is being able to take yourself out of it and, and see it through the, the athlete's eyes and help them through a situation. And, and like you just nailed it, too. If you've never been through it, you don't know. And recognizing what you need to change, because sometimes you can't yeah. do that for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, sometimes the coach can't do that for you. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you could be a great coach, but still not recognize what I need at that minute which is like a real gift. I actually wrote uh, my old wrestling coach a letter after I won Worlds just to thank him for all the lessons he taught me because he just had an uncanny way of like giving you what you needed. Right when you needed needed it, yeah. You know what I mean? I'll I'll, I'll tell in the podcast of the story, so I said thank you to him. He probably doesn't even remember what an impact it had on my life, but uh, my dad died on October 15th. And, uh, this was early in the wrestling semester. And a week after my dad died, maybe, maybe two weeks max, I went back to school because it was what I had to do. Like, like I was the first person in my family to go to university. It was a big thing. Like my mom's like me and me and your dad put way too much into you have to just quit, go back to school. And I remember I wasn't really ready to, Mm. 
like, I just didn't know what I was going to do. I, I, I needed to get, get a job. We didn't have money. My dad had just died. Like I was lost. And I remember going to my wrestling coach and being like, Hey Ray, what am I going to do? What I wanted to say was I need some time off to find myself, Yeah. but I didn't know how to say that. And I think I thought I had to have a commitment and all these things. And so I started talking about what am I going to do? And it was funny because Ray kind of put his arm around me. He looked at me and he said, listen, wrestling's the last thing you need right now. You go do you take as much time as you need. If you want to come to one practice a week, cool. You want to come to five, cool. It doesn't matter to me. You just get yourself right. We're here for you when you want to come back. And just the simple act of saying that mm-hmm. seemed to take all the pressure off me of what I had to do and what other people's expectations were. You know what I mean? And so yeah. maybe, maybe November, like I came to two practices a week. Once I hit three, once I didn't show up, never questioned me about it. Never asked me about it. Never made it a thing. If I missed two days in a row, never hit me up and said like, Hey man, you okay? Because I think he knew that would bother me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was okay. Well, to- I, I, I could see in that, that kind of situation, how like wrestling would become an obstacle. Yeah. You know, to you figuring it out. And he was just very careful about making sure that it was a place for you to come sort of be you and to figure it yep. out. That's yep. amazing. And then at one point we sat down and had a talk and he's like, how you doing? How you, you know, how you feeling? I just want to reiterate, you take as much time as you need to get better from this. He goes, I just want to put this in your head. We need you for nationals. So take as much time as you need, but I just need you. I don't care if you don't train, just show up on that day. Yeah. Just you're good enough to show up and, and, and be everything we need you to be. So there was no pressure either. He just like show up. You don't yeah. need to win. You don't need to train to show up. You know what I mean? And so, so that was like a super interesting thing for me that I've reflected on over the years because it just, I think if he would have pressured me at that point, I would have quit. Well, and I look, look so how, how ingrained just showing up is. And like, Oh who, yeah, who yeah, yeah. Are. It's just like, you're good enough to show up, man. Like we'll take your third place, your second place. Your third, like there was no pressure, just show up. So it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, but knowing having that ability to like help an athlete with what they need yeah. is super important. Well, and, and having been there and, and understanding, you know, what the athlete's going through is so key. Yeah. Cause oftentimes when you compete, it's not the, com- I always say the, the competition is lost or won the three months before. Yeah. It's never on the night. Mm-hmm. Like it's never, you know what I mean? Like, I look at Aaron Rodgers and and just I'm using him as an example of Green Bay because A, you love Green Bay, but B, because he's really played well this year. He doesn't, he's a good enough quarterback. He doesn't just go out and his mechanics fall apart. He doesn't just go out and bad shit happens. I will argue that every good game he's had, there are similar things going on in his life around that game. And every bad game he's had, there are similar things going on yeah. around that game. You know what I mean? Yep. But that table sets how he's going to play this Sunday. That's already like, that's set this week. 
He doesn't just go out and stuff happens to him. And I think people... <laughs> I've, I've never happens. seen him just throw a wild ball, you know? Yeah. It's but always the preparation. The yeah. preparation is everything. So it's all those, what I call like those residual things around the competition that matter to put yourself in a positive mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully you guys have got something from this. Uh, we get nervous too. It happens. <laughs> well, uh, you, you showed up in Florida and, and you did very well and I'm very proud of you. So congratulations. You. Champ. I, I appreciate that. And that's, and that's a big message, right? All you got to do is show up mostly mm-hmm. and try to show up as your best version of you. Don't try to be anything you're not. Yep. Don't try to be like, you know, it's funny. People listen to pump up music. I'm actually not into that joke. <laughs> Only because like, that's not who I am. Like if you were to drive with me in my truck to my gym, I'm listening to slow jams. I'm relaxed. I'm chill. Like I'm not all, I don't know, ragey listening to metal or <laughs> like angry hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah, this yeah. thing that people... People try to do these special things before events. Yeah, I only listen to this song right before I fight. And it's like, well, that's, you just, you're setting yeah, I don't yourself know up. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Like, I would make it as routine as possible. I always said, like, I wish I could be the person I was in a street fight. Mm-hmm. When it just kind of happened and I didn't have time to think about it. Not like, oh my God, there's a special song. It's time to be crazy. <laughs> it's just, it's just so much yeah you know so all right you guys thank you maximus podcast we need you to do something if you have listened to this episode and you're a regular listener or it's your first time we need you to subscribe we need numbers we want numbers we did not inundate you with sponsorships we did not try to sell you anything so the least you ungrateful motherfuckers can do is go (laughs) subscribe to this it costs you nothing just subscribe please five star reviews leave a comment if you're really feeling motivated it helps it really means a lot to us minutes just like i don't care if you ever listen to it just (laughs) well i do care but just (laughs) subscribe maximus podcast because you're the last of a dying breed